Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, a place for adolescent and family healing. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If your family is struggling and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their trained professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. They went as far as to say, he said, what if I was a 6'8" chinese woman that believes she was seven and wanted to enroll in a first grade classroom and they because of their argument had to say i guess you could enroll in a seventh or a first grade classroom Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Josh, how you doing? Wonderful. Our first content show. Yes, our first non-interview show. We hope that you enjoyed the interviews. Yes, because my anxiety is spiking because neither one of us are famous nor really have much to say. And now we're on the hook. And this, we're it. Yeah. See, we're like it. There's nothing else but this for the next like 20 (laughs) minutes or so. Um, We're glad you're glad you're listening to us because we are going to kind of move into a pattern of of trying to have an interview every week and then we're going to have a content uh, program every week. So uh, today we're going to take up something that we could not not take up. If that makes perfect sense. It doesn't. But go ahead. Um, Here I was like most of us a year and a half or so ago, maybe two years ago. Minding our own business, when the governor of California up and says, we're going to make all of our bathrooms open to just anybody. I remember that. And is it, wow, where, first off, where did that come from? Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking, man, if I was a 12-year-old boy, that would be done. so neat. Because I could have lettered in a female sport. Oh, <laughs> Because, you know, back in the day... Women's water polo? (laughs) No, no, I couldn't do that. Man or woman, I couldn't. Um, But do you know women's basketball back in the day, like when your mother played? It was six six people. And if you were on offense, you score. No, if you're on defense, you got a rebound, and then you dribbled... six people? You dribbled to the half-court line, and then you handed it over. No way. To three other girls. In the 70s, that's how you did it? Oh my! Because, God. as we all know, women can't run that far, <laughs> and so it would wear Incredibly them out. Incredibly offensive to say it in 2016, uh, as well so as to actually think it in the 70s. That's that's why we did it to protect the weaker sex. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so here I was, and this this became an issue, and and first I was going, well, tra- you know, transgender. First off, what how is this a big problem? Because only 0.03% of the population is transgender. We see, we, uh, even before that, we saw it in our practice, well, yeah. but not on a wide... Gender identity disorder. Correct. We didn't see it on a wide scale, like to change a state's policy. Correct. And so, you know, that happened and I was just going, wow, if I was living in California, I, I certainly my kids wouldn't be going to school out there. Uh, and by, by trying to say we're doing this to protect those transgender children from being bullied... The point zero three percent. I'm, 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 I, I, well, yeah, that little 13 year old girl who's dressed like a boy, she's going to go into the boys' locker room and she won't be bullied there. Oh, for the love of Pete. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. 
So that kind of, we kind of rocked along. It kind of almost went away. And then here it comes again with Target and well with Bruce. Well, Bruce. Bruce was Bruce. what really kind of you had the California thing, and this is my humble opinion. You had the California right. thing, but then the Jenner thing happened, and it was thrust upon a national stage. It was just crazy. Yeah, uh, and then comes Target and Correct. Starbucks and all these other places that are going to say, "Okay, hey, you know, just whatever floats your boat, go in wherever you want." Yeah, there was awareness about the issue like never before after Bruce Jenner, yes. um, and. I'm saying Bruce, not Caitlin, purposely. But after Bruce Jenner, um, I, I think it was thrust on the national stage, and subsequently, now a year later, what? what when was Bruce? But a year later, oh, no, now we're having the president. This was uh, recorded in May. Uh, now we're having the president come out and speak about it and giving dictations, and so yeah, it's just in front. And of so us. now we all have to do something about yep. it. It's like, wow, this I, I we I knew these people existed. Of course they do. Uh, but I did not realize that it was this big of an issue that it's really going to kind of disrupt my day. And now, if Obama's dictate goes through, uh, everyone's going to have to deal with it. Because you're going to yeah. have to say, am, am I going to allow my child to go to a school uh, that where my 12-year-old might be thrown into a bathroom or a locker room with a guy that maybe failed the eighth grade three times? It just becomes like this scary thing that now all of us are having to deal with and in I've some capacity. I never thought that I would deal with this. Um, well, just the, the, the public school thing. Um, my wife and I firmly believe that why pay for something if I can get it for free? So we are big public school people. That's why you eat lunch with me all the time. <laughs> exactly. You pay. Uh, so we're big public school no, people, but... To think that we might, uh, obviously our kids are three and one, so we're not really having this conversation right now, but might go to a private school where they have gender-specific bathrooms, and that's the reason as why wacky we as that sounds. Yeah, pay $12,000 a year to go to a private school. That's insane. Just so I can pee in peace. <laughs> that's why I'm paying out all this money. Exactly. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we were both thinking, Josh and I, that... The, the very first thing that we wanted to cover in, in Paradox is, um, is this issue that is really sort of on everyone's mind. It's what you talk about at dinner parties. And I don't, I don't go to dinner parties. Do you ever? Yeah. People say that all the time. I don't know that I've been to a dinner party. Well, I doubt that you guys actually, you as 55 plus, 56, how old are you? 56. I doubt y'all sit at dinner parties and talk about this, but we youngins absolutely do. I mean, we're going to be forced with this over the next 50 years, and our children will be dealing with this. So, I mean, I have sat around um, the past 6 to 12 months and had this on countless occasions. Have um, this discussion. Yeah, with believers that have varying views. And what is most this? are, we, yeah. I have no clue what to do with it. Right. Um, so, no, we absolutely sit at dinner parties. Uh, and talk about this. Gotcha. Okay, so, Josh, explain to us, if you would, transgenderism. Yeah, so transgenderism is, is they're individuals um, that, and I, I would assume that if you're my age and you're mid-30s, you understand this, but 
um, for older folks, possibly not, but it's individuals that were born a certain sex with certain sex organs, penis or vagina. Can I say that? Have to. Okay. You're a trained professional. <laughs> so I can't giggle afterwards? Nope. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can giggle. Yeah, you can giggle. Yeah. I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, so they were biologically handed a certain sex, um, but they identify as a different sex traditionally. And we're going to talk about that term. Please proceed. Correct. So that's transgenderism. But I, I think it's a really important. So what we're trying to put forth today is just a Christian's response to transgenderism. Um, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of noise out there, whether it's Target or California or the president, and we're we're arguing about bathrooms, and I think that's quite ridiculous. And it really it moves the point. It, it, it moves the argument to something that's superfluous, because the point, of the, the point of this and the argument is gender. And so I think as believers, as we put forth a Christian response to transgenderism, the, the issue has to remain on gender. If we start arguing bathrooms, although it's a healthy conversation to have, um, it, it, it moves the point. Um, so we, we wanted to talk about um, what research at this point is suggesting regarding transgenderism uh, and then kind of carry the dialogue forth from there. Did yeah. you have anything you wanted to mention? Well, just that if you listen to politicians and you would think that this is absolutely settled science, that transgenderism is... Uh, it is, it's a lifestyle, you know, that cannot be counteracted and uh, it's settled. And what we're finding is that research absolutely does not necessarily back that up. Well, and you're and it's be pretty much settled the other way. The other way. Yeah. And so it, it, this stops being about some medical issue. It's a psychological issue. Yeah. And we seem... It's almost like the inmates are running the asylum. We're, we're celebrating. When, when ESPN gave Bruce Jenner the Courage Award, other than some Iraqi vets that lost both legs but still ran a marathon, that kind of, okay, there's your courage. We're celebrating pathology. We're wanting to celebrate someone's psychiatric disorder instead of getting them help we're doing all these things to to feed it and to normalize it to them and again what the research is showing us is that doesn't help their angst their depression uh their lack of self-worth yeah and cnsnews.com on may 5th 2016 came out with an article um, it's entitled John Hopkins Psychiatrist. Chan- transgendered men don't become women. They become feminized men or imposters uh, is, is the title there. And it's, it's written by a Michael Chapman. Um, they interviewed Dr. Paul McHugh. He's the Distinguished Service Professor of Psychiatry at John Hopkins University. He's the former psychiatrist-in-chief for John Hopkins. Um, and this hospital has studied transgendered people for more than 40 years. They actually originated the sex change. The sex change operation. Correct. But since then, did away with it because of this research. Um, and he suggests that transgender men do not... Wait a second. We can't let that go. 
because I, do 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 we understand that John Hopkins is like the John Hopkins of Correct. medicine, and they originated the sex change operation ahead of the curve, and they've now gone back and stopped doing it because they believe that it's harmful. Correct. Very harmful. And then that's kind of the point of his of his his argument that men cannot biologically become women and women biologically cannot become it's that men. wacky Y chromosome. Uh, they become in. Yeah, exactly. They become imposters. Um, they, they just become feminized men or masculine. A counterfeit. I mean, women. it's 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 all that medical science can do to mimic gender, but it's not gender. Correct. He, he stressed the fact that one's uh, the idea that one's sex is fluid and a matter of choice is extremely damaging, especially to young people. The idea that um, sexuality is a feeling and not a biological fact is doing much damage to families. And that's why he's coming out and saying that, hey, look, I mean, there's a lot of craziness out there and, and the po- politicians aren't really citing research. No. Um, he's wanting to stand up and say that I've got 40 years under my belt studying these individuals, um, and biology is discriminatory by its very nature. Yes, uh, A seal cannot be a giraffe. It just can't happen. Um, and so he's, he's, he's wanting to stand up and say, not only do I believe wholeheartedly that the research is overwhelming the fact that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Um, but I believe that this idea that's floating around our culture is actually damaging people. And this is when we look at when you have, and he makes the point that these choices are not being made. They're not medical choices. They're political choices. And when you have a strong political ideology, it can become like a mental disorder, like you, you begin thinking irrationally. You know, everyone wanted um, if, uh, you know, hey, if people have a terminal illness, uh, then we should be able to put them down. You know, we should be able to have a, a doctor-assisted suicide because it's only compassionate. And everyone said, whoa, once you start doing that, it's a slippery slope. And, oh, that's just so stupid. Well, in, in uh, Holland, they've now put to death one of dozens and dozens and dozens of people that just have psychiatric disorder. This one lady was killed by the medical profession in Holland because she was OCD and was tormented by cleaning her house all the time. So instead of helping her with the mental disorder, we just allow her to die. No, strike that. We kill her because she wanted that. Once, once you have such, once you let your politics call the shots, it's like uh, the word identity or the word to identify. I identify as a male or I identify as a female. That is not even a medical term. That is a political term. Well, it's a psychological term. It's a feeling term, right? Yeah, I feel a certain way, so I am. Yeah, I feel, therefore, I am. Yep. And and you see the the absolute uh, inconsistency of that term. That hey, as long as I identify, you know. Well, we were talking before we started about the. Um, it wasn't a full documentary, but it was a news piece on these people that went to the University of Washington and were mm-hmm. interviewing students. Yep. 
And this guy said, well, what if I want to identify as that? And they would say, well, of course, if that's how you identify, I would treat you that way. And what if I wanted to identify as this? Well, of course. I, what if I, you know, because he was just this little. He was white, a little white guy. Little white guy, yeah. you know, probably 35 years old. He said, what if I told you that I was a six foot eight Chinese woman? And they kind of laughed and they went, well, I they guess really struggled. we would have to yep. treat you that way. Because they went as far as to say, he said, what if I was a six eight Chinese woman that believes she was seven and wanted to enroll in a first grade classroom. <laughs> and they, because of their argument, had to say, I guess you could enroll in a seventh or a first grade classroom. Because it doesn't hold up to logical no, sense. It's all. an irrational argument. And even this was the most brilliant thing that occurred because the insanity of this argument was pointed out by the lady who claimed to be black and was the head of the NAACP. That was Washington, too, wasn't it? I think so. And, and it was, she said, well, I identify as black. And everyone said, you're out of your mind. Can't do it. Yeah. You can't do that. And that's what's so strange. What if I uh, walked on a basketball court, NBA Finals going on right now, and I claimed I was LeBron James? I identify as an yep. NBA player. Give me $50 million oh, a yeah. year. I feel like I'm a LeBron James. I identify as a straight-A student at UT. Give me summa sure. cum laude. It doesn't make sense. No. Because truth exists. Correct. That that very inconvenient thing that Al Gore got completely wrong, but that in completely inconvenient thing called truth. Correct. It exists. And that's... so. There's overwhelming research to support that men cannot become women and women cannot become men regardless of what they identify with. The I research, can play softball like a woman. <laughs> oh, you do that quite well. Yes. That's that a story for another time. Am he literally throws like a girl. You play baseball like <laughs> a girl. Um, but the research that's not being quoted on the other side because it's highly inconclusive. Uh, I was reading research this week, and there were studies that talked about brain imagery and that um, the, the physical size of the brain for men and women are different. And they were saying that, well, there's some evidence to suggest that transgender men that identify as women have brains that are similar to the size of females, and they're just it, they're using sensitive language to talk around the issue, but they're very quick to point out, but brain sizes vary from person to person. person. So right. it's, it's, they find one hook to hang their hat on, but then they're very clear at the same time that we're probably never going to figure this out right. because the, the evidence for it is so obscure because it doesn't exist. But we, we, I appreciate that there is hard medical science that is behind not simply just swallowing the fact that these people have to be that way and we're being discriminatory and mean uh, and bigoted by not treating them in the way in which they want to be identified. Which, again, that's the worst thing you could do. It would be the most unloving thing that you could do because, again, it's feeding the pathology. So what is going to be our response? So if there's overwhelming evidence to suggest 
that what our culture is suggesting, what our president is suggesting, um, what our states are suggesting, trying to normalize for us, if it is absolutely damaging, like Dr. McHugh suggests, uh, towards our young people, um, as parents and as Christians, we have to stand up for truth. Um, And the trick is, so there's no... The trick is, and I think why we're struggling with this as believers, is there's really no scriptural mandate to suggest what we should do. Uh, scripture doesn't speak to transgender issues, so we're like, we but have it, our... But it does speak to? Love. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's obviously many a scripture that speak that we should, um, <laughs> that we should, that we should love others, right? Love God and love people uh, would be our, our, our kind of scriptural mandate, if we could put it simply. So... The first thing in our Christian response towards the transgender community has to be love. Yes, and not condemnation. No. Uh, if, we, if we look at... My favorite story is when the woman caught in adultery, and she's thrown down, and, you know, and the guys are picking up the rocks, and then Jesus comes along and sends them on their way, basically. And he reaches down to pick the woman up and he says, well, well, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, well, they're all gone, Lord. And he said, well, I don't accuse you either. I don't condemn you either. But now get up and go stop what you're doing. Yep. Sin no more. So he didn't condone her behavior, but he also didn't condemn her as a person. Yep. And if we could ever find that balance. Yep. Where... To agree, but that's this is where the word we've also had the word tolerate. Tolerance has been hijacked as well. Tolerance now means I agree with you, I'll wear the t shirt and march with you. Tolerance means I disagree with you every way I can disagree with you, you but let's go have a Coke. Yep. Why is it that we, if we disagree with someone, that equals we have to hate them? Correct. It's it doesn't make any sense from from a believing point of view. Just because I disagree with somebody doesn't mean that I can't be their friend, and be that's their good friend. Correct. And that's what's so difficult, because as we see in our practice, um, parents come in with transgender kids, quote unquote, um, and or um, even the issue of homosexuality. We have parents come in and our first thing is, well, you got to love them. You're mm-hmm. going to love them out of this, not condemn this Yes, or condemn them. Um but parents struggle with that because, well, if I say anything against this, my kid's going to perceive it as an unloving thing. So when we speak to loving the individual, we're not speaking to their perception of love. Right. We're speaking to, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit leading in your life, through talking with in your community or marriage, what is the most loving act? And that predetermined act of love towards them is the standard of love, not the individual's perception of what is yeah. loving. And when Jesus said that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, he said that because truth matters. And you said it a minute ago that, you know, truth in and of its, you said biology, but truth is exclusive. Absolutely. That's what makes it true. Two plus two cannot be five. Can't be five or three. It has to be four, nothing else. So for it to be true, that means all other possibilities are excluded. That's what makes this true. So if we say that Austin is the capital of Texas, do you think that makes Beaumont feel bad? 
or or Lubbock feels as though we're being bigoted and unloving by saying that Lubbock is not we're the just capital. We're facts. Because truth exists. Yep. And I know that sometimes truth and politics don't, well, strike that. Truth and politics never mix. And so for for us as believing families, for us to rely solely on the truth uh, and the, the, the truth of Scripture and just the existence of truth. And I, and I think that this is why this is such an issue for me, this whole gender thing. It, it seemed like in the 60s and 70s, um, the church or families fought sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And then... Backward masking. Backward masking. That's all I'm saying. I have no clue what you're talking about. In the 80s and 90s, it was kind of AIDS really came into the picture in the early 80s, and we were talking homosexuality, and the church had to wrestle with that. Now it's it's obviously gender. And for me, at some point, right, like even with homosexuality, there can be different believers interpreting different scriptures and saying, no, it actually does mandate that homosexuality is a bad thing, and other believers saying, no, it doesn't. So there's a lot of even confusion there, but there's zero confusion in my mind about gender. Right. <laughs> it's like if, if it there was is ever... Or it isn't. Yeah, if there was ever a time for us as believers to stand up, and this isn't a spiritual argument. This right. isn't a religious argument. It's a argument. biological argument. It's a biological argument. If there was ever a time for us believers to stand up to something and say, right. no, like enough is enough, it has to be on this, because what's next? But when again, when you talk about a slippery slope, that once you start questioning whether, you know, that all, everything is relative, you know, ethics are relative, morals are, are relevant, truth is relevant, well, what's true for you may not be true for me. And that can be correct in some relational or emotional sense. Like the we, best color. We see something from a perspective. <laughs> yep. But it's not talking, there are things that are simply true. Yep. Uh, and and probably, you know, people would have thought you were crazy when people started, you know, chanting about the the uh, how truth is relative. That we there would come a day where you could argue the truth of whether someone is male or female of gender, because that would be like the one thing you would use as an example. Well, hey, <laughs> last time penis, I yep. got out of the shower, yep. I was a guy. Yep. And but now we're living in a time where people would say. Well, just how bigoted is that, that you would say, you know, that just because you have male genitalia, that you have to be a man. Yep. Well, you're just going to push that point of view off on everybody. So we we are living in sort of bizarre times, Um, but it's this is a time really for families to 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 set a mooring. Yeah. That we don't drift too far. Yeah. So the first thing, how do we handle this? What is our first response to transgenderism? It's got to be love mm-hmm. uh, above all else. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, don't play into the pathology. We can't play into the lie. And that was part of Dr. McHugh's point is that we actually have to offer psychological care for these individuals, not give them a hand towards sex change. Mm-hmm. So by not playing into the liar pathology, not changing your pronouns towards them. So if it's a female and she's asking to be he, uh, or if it's Bruce and it's ask, he's asking to be Caitlin, it's he and it's Bruce. 
the minute that we change with them, it's 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 having an alcoholic brother that asks you for cash to go buy alcohol and you handing him money. You're just you're just furthering you're the feeding issue. the pathology. So not changing pronouns as well as um, calling them by their given name. So if they're Sam and want to be called Sue, it's it's calling them Sam. This is going to be perceived as a very unloving act. Yes. And that's what I think is going to be the struggle for believers is because, again, well, what about number one? We, we need to love them. Mm-hmm. But the standard of love cannot be the per- perceived love yes. by the other individual. Absolutely. We have to stand for truth, love them no matter what and without question. Um, but we have to, we cannot play into the pathology. Yes. And number three, boycott Target and Starbucks. Jimbo. And what else? See, I just want to boycott anyone I, I can boycott. If in you're fact, if you're nearing sixty, you I want love signs. boycotting. I want to get a sign and I want to march and I want to boycott. So originally, Jimbo wanted to make this episode about Target. Oh, oh yeah. In fact, I think your title was Targeting Target. Boom. <laughs> and I was like, Jimbo, the issue is not Target. Okay, let me say this. It's not. This is a completely different issue. Um, But for parents, whether it's boycotting someplace or it's just not going for fear of my child, um, you know, and we were talking earlier how I see this different from making the the bakers making the cake uh, for the gay marriage. To me, I I bake the cake. Um, And because that's not that is not condone. It's just, it's not condoning it's homosexuality. Yeah. Isn't it fascinating though that that was once a discussion? Oh yeah, still is. I mean, that's still working through the courts. But I feel like we're we're so far beyond that now that we're questioning gender. Yeah, really, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the days. Yes, that we were. When just- <laughs> we just had gay wedding cakes. Oh wow. <laughs> but you know, it's because that that wasn't a safety issue. This is a safety issue, and and it's not. A, you're right. It's not about you know targeting target. Catchy title though. It's about what do I do with my kid if the school sure makes is. that sure it is. choice. Yep. What. What do I, what do I make sure everyone TTs before we leave the house? Yep. Um, but we're, we're caught in that no man's land right now of what is our response. Yep. Yeah. And I think per your point, it's, it's important for families to discuss that at a microscopic level for them, but at a macroscopic level. No, that's not correct. A macro level. Mm -hmm. There we go. Uh, At a macro level, the issue cannot be target. Yep. Um, the issue has to be, we have to stand not against target. We have to stand for truth. And that truth is a male will always be a male and a female will always be a female, no matter how they feel and or identify with. You know what I love most about this being our very first content program? Something, uh, good. No, just how many people we're going to lose as listeners. <laughs> uh, how many people, cause I don't know how many times we have uh, referenced genitals yep, today. Yep. yep. So, other than you, me, and Katie, your wife, because you know, Be- Beth yeah. wouldn't listen. Uh, yeah, we're not going to have that many after this. So, I, we appreciate the small amount of time that you've yes. you've uh, you've shared with us for today. for the tens of people listening. Uh, we thank you. It was yes. a wonderful show, Jimbo. It was fun, and uh, Friday, another great interview. Yep, be looking for it. See ya.
Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. Special thanks to Life Austin Church in Austin, Texas, and our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr. To find out more about the Paradox and to sign up for email updates, go to our website, paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. We realize that Scripture tells us that God causes all things to work together for good. And hopefully, during your grief process, no one said that to you. Because, you know, I mean, <laughs> when my parents died, and if one more person would have told me that, I think I'd have slapped them. Uh, and it, it's not that it's not true. I mean, of course it's true. Um, but it, it's not that all of these things are good, but in the midst of them, God can bring good.